You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name's Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory. It's the mailbag edition. It's the Monday edition. We are kicking off things here on the Arrowhead Pride podcast channel uh, with your questions. And we got a lot of them. Great job this week, honestly. I think this was a really, like, just fantastic questions this week. I was, I was really excited to see some of these. So we have a lot of them, a lot of them to answer. And here to help me do that are my dear pals. First, find them on Twitter, at Chief in Carolina, Maddie Lane. Hello, my friend. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. First, I want to say happy belated Mother's Day to all the moms out there that listen to this podcast. We love you guys, not in a weird way, but just want to say happy Mother's Day to everybody. <laughs> Secondly, I think I need to watch the Houston Texans Chiefs playoff game tonight when we're done because I have to decide who's taking a bigger L, the Texans in the divisional round or Justin Reed on Twitter tonight trying to talk about his shoulder brace is the only reason he got bossed by Tyreek Hill. I just can't decide. Craig, care to weigh in? I, I think anybody who gets posterized by a 5'8 wide receiver and then tries to turn around and blame a shoulder brace for why he couldn't high point the ball over him, just get out of here, Justin Reed. You are giving the Chiefs bulletin board material, and they don't need it. They shelled you the last time they saw you. This is going to not be pretty if they keep talking like this, so please keep talking. I, I, I want to see an ugly game for them. I'm curious if Justin Reed has a chip on his shoulder now. Uh. Look, if I'm telling you, if any if anyone that caught an L from the Chiefs during the 2019 season is tw- is going to tweet, Kansas City is going to let you hear about it. We are going to be insufferable. All we three, are think- climbing the ranks of some of the most unbearable social media fan bases. This is 50 years worth of of what we wanted to do just finally unleashed. Y'all shouldn't have given us Patrick LeVon Mahomes. Like the Bears could have the Bears could have changed that. But, but they didn't. They rolled with we rolled with Mitch Trubisky and now look what happened. They they, they declined his option. No, y'all should not have let us have Patrick Mahomes because we are about to be insufferable for the next 15 plus years. And I don't care. It's going to be delicious. I like being the villain already. It's delicious. We're just getting jokes off left and right because we can. Because we have the best play. Like, we have like a bully behind us. It's Patrick LeVon Mahomes. That's what it is. Okay. We got a lot of questions to get to. And we got we got to start with the five-star review questions. That's where we got to go with first. And Bobo252 asks, Go Chiefs! Can you guys get into how well Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is in pass pro. I know he is a great rusher and receiver, but it's tough to find film of him in pass pro. Just curious to see how well he can protect the face of the franchise. Thanks for all you do. Much love and stay healthy. Uh, thank you, Bobo. Um, I actually think he's pretty good in pass protection. Now, if I were going to say 
that I, I would probably argue that that's his weakest area. But that's pretty normal for running backs coming out of the uh, out of college. This is one of the areas where uh, running backs typically, you know, kind of you know ha- have have a little bit more of a learning curve transitioning. That being said, I think the baseline for him is better than a lot of running backs here uh, coming out because he was asked to do it. He has a pretty good understanding of protections from what I can tell. Um, but there's going to be more protections in the NFL. Like just uh, the volume of protections that they're going to have to deal with is going to be a lot higher. And he's going to have that. He's going to have to continue to understand. There's some technique stuff. Um, but the good news for him is he operates with a very good base already because he's five foot seven. But he's kind of you know like Darren Sproles. You know he, he might be a little too short, a little bit too you know slender or slight. I guess you could say not slender, slight. Clyde's got a deep, a good enough base. He's tall enough and he's thick enough to be able to handle it. I have no concerns about his ability to handle pass protection. Uh, Hollywood Swanson paparazzi asked, "Great, uh, <laughs> great if work, only you guys." You can see the hair right now, buddy. Oh, uh, it's it's rough. Like this, this stuff is. It's, you you say rough, I say gorgeous. I'm getting a very <laughs> Clark Kent vibe right now, to be honest. It's like flat. Like my hair normally has a little like lift to it. It's just flat because it's so heavy. But anyways, can we answer this guy's question? Fame can be a heavy burden. <sighs> With Gronk coming out of retirement recently, which player would you like to return to the league to run it back with the Chiefs? Assume all players cost the same money. Tony G, Calvin Johnson, or Chad Ochocinco? I don't think Calvin Johnson belongs in this conversation because like, not only do I think he could still step in and play with the whole age and athleticism with how recently he's been in the league, but his peak is just significantly, significantly higher than Tony Gonzalez or Chad Johnson, Ocho Cinco, whatever you want to call them. If we assume they're in their prime, again, Calvin Johnson's arguably the most dominant receiver for a short stretch ever. I don't think I've ever seen another wide receiver face two dedicated players trying to press him at the same time, like he's a gunner on special teams, like I saw with Calvin Johnson. That said, I also have a soft spot for Chad Johnson. He was one of my first favorite non-Chiefs players in the entire NFL, and he was excellent. Like I do think he's an underrated football player. It's just not fair to pit him up against Megatron. Like He would go down in history if he didn't play for the Lions, is the third, second, or first best wide receiver of all time. Uh, Toner Goo, I hope I did that right. Uh, hey guys, thanks for all the great work. Obviously, this isn't a, a question you can answer accurately, but who do you think were the Chiefs' closest calls in the draft? I'm talking about both players that the Chiefs may have been very interested in who got taken just before Casey's draft slot, or players we did draft who would have gotten picked right after if we hadn't taken them. Thanks. Yeah, I think Brett Veach kind of harped on this a little bit uh, right about the pick that Cesar Ruiz came off the board. Uh, he mentioned that there were three or four, maybe five guys that the Chiefs were looking at there that they felt pretty comfortable with, and they started flying off the board. So I would guess from that you know group of guys, Patrick Queen, Jeff Gladney, Cesar Ruiz, maybe a wide receiver that went there. But I, I do think that they thought that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was going to be available a little bit later. They talked about how they wanted to trade down and how the phone lines dried up. So I don't think it's that. But I do think that teams were in on Willie Gay Jr. 
I think that that was about the right draft spot for him. I think maybe they, you know, were kind of monitoring that a little bit. So, you know, Logan Wilson went right after him to the Bengals. So maybe Cincinnati would have taken him instead. We would have seen there. But I do think that there was a little bit of buzz about Willie Gay because the NFL has been pretty high on him since the Chiefs drafted him. There's been a lot of praise for him. Uh, we got an email to the AP Nerd Squad at gmail.com. Uh, email address if you want to email us questions. It is apnerdsquad at gmail.com. Maddie in Cincinnati has jokes, and we're going to get this joke off. Uh, he says, outstanding work on the draft guide. Thank you. I uh, really appreciate that. But he says, with the league considering games with no fans in stadiums due to the pandemic, doesn't that give an unfair advantage to the Los Angeles Chargers? <laughs> they, they're they light years ahead in that department. Woo! Hey, just so you know. Love it, Maddie in Cincinnati. Love it. Well done. (laughs) Just so you know, you can get tickets. And obviously, a lot of this is COVID-related. But I found this interesting. You can get lower bowl tickets to the Chargers home opener at literally like the eighth wonder of the world stadium that's about to open up in Los Angeles for like 120 bucks. Like, they are like... They are struggling to sell lower bowl tickets for the Chargers. Does Wild. that include the flight and my hotel <laughs> as well? I mean, because that sounds I've, about right to me. I mean, I think that's relatively fair, all things considered. <laughs> Let's jump to the Twitter questions. Tony 44 since we tried to sign Andrews Pete, what is the likelihood we tried to sign Larry Warford? I'm not sure. This, the issue that I have right now is I don't know what the Chiefs are doing with their interior offensive line. I think in years past, we've seen them go after the elite athletes, the guys that can really get out in space and be effective in these wide, wide zone runs in the screen game. And Pete fits that mold. But you look at other acquisitions lately, and it's been guys that are a little bit more stout, still good athletes without being elite athletes. Now, the thing with Warford, He's one of the slowest, more heavy-footed interior offensive linemen in the league. He's still good in outside zone because he understands angles and he's very strong. He has a lot of torque to get the leverage he needs, but he's not a typical Chiefs interior offensive lineman when you think about what they've done with Andy Reid. The question is, do they still want that same guy with Patrick Mahomes or are they trying to be a little bit more stout up the middle keep defensive players off of his legs so he can step into throws a little bit more. I think we'll know more next year what they're trying to do on the interior offensive line. Right now, I'd say the chance they sign Warford, who I don't think will be cheap, is very, very low, just based around fit and the amount of money that they have. Justin D. Spear. I like this one. This is interesting. Healthy all year. What is more likely? Mahomes under 35 touchdowns or over 60 touchdowns, but also this one, Chiefs under 10 wins or over 15 wins. Which one of those two is more, more likely? Start with Mahomes, then go to the Chiefs, Craig. I, if, if Mahomes is healthy all year, there's no way he throws under 35 touchdowns, period. Like, not with this offense. It's, it's ridiculous. And they added another weapon. So, no, he, there's just no way he's throwing under 35 touchdowns. So, I have to go over 60, even though that's, just ludicrous. Now, that being said, the Chiefs also aren't winning under 10 games <laughs> because Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and this offense will will them to more than that. Andy Reid consistently got games out of Alex Smith. They they were able to manage their way to above 10 wins. So I got to go over on the wins as well, even though 15-1 and one also seems pretty unlikely. The Mahomes... 
one is interesting to me because 60 just seems absolutely positively unreal. And I'm with Craig. I don't see how he's going to be healthy and throw for under 35 or have under 35 touchdowns. I'm still going to take the under though. 60 is a ridiculous number. I'm taking the under with the assumption that he's pulled out of every fourth quarter because they're winning every single game, plays less time. Maybe with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, we decide to really stick it to the analytics running backs don't matter community and we run for about 20 touchdowns like he did (laughs) in college. And that takes off some of the touchdowns that Mahomes would typically throw. With that said as well, yeah, Chiefs aren't winning under 10 wins if Patrick Mahomes is healthy. I would smash the over on 15 if those were the only two options for the Chiefs, you know, win-loss record. Andy won the 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 fewest games Andy's won in in Kansas City is 9 with Alex Smith. I'm I'm taking 15. I don't know if 15's unreasonable. Honestly, I don't know how unreasonable it is. I there is a very 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 clear path to that I really believe that now Mahomes that's tough what talk to me when there's 17 games and then we'll then then we'll start talking about that over 60 give me under 35 touchdowns even though my heart really wants to say 60 let's go Derek Vreeland asks what new wrinkles in the offense do you expect this season particularly with the addition of Clyde Edwards Lair um I think you are going to see a more diversified route tree out of the backfield with Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I think you'll start seeing a lot more of the H post route, which some people call the Texas route. Some call the angle route. It's just, it's, it's the little route out of the backfield by the running back who, you know, widens and then crosses the face of a linebacker who falls on the ground. Their jock strap lays on the ground. uh, And it's just wide open in the middle of the field. I think you're going to see a lot of that. Um, There's some really cool stuff that, you know, teams do, um, dragging like so they'll drag the tight end across the field i'm starting to get a little nerdy they'll drag the tight end across the field and they'll bring the running back behind it really puts them in a really good matchup with a running back typically um i think you know think about and there's actually some there's some route there's some route adjustments that can be built off of that like kareem hunt's vertical route against the the patriots uh you know in his big breakout game uh in new england you know they that that kind of stems off the angle route, that little H post route. You could you, you could read that play out potentially. You could turn that into an option where if the back widens with with the running back, you um you you run the angle and if he walls him off, you just take it at vertical. I think you're going to see that a lot of that kind of concept with the Chiefs offense this year. I'm sorry, I got a little bit too granular. <laughs> uh Craig, do you have anything to add? I just, from the defensive standpoint, every time that you talk about a running back running routes, you talk about linebackers pushing, linebackers, you know, kicking out into the flat, not having to, you know, cover dynamic players, not having to react to, you know, open field cuts, having to react to a full route tree. You're talking about basically single move guys. And when you watch the NFL, that's the majority of running backs out of the backfield. Either they're staying into pass pro or they're just kind of floating out there to the flat. It's not very dynamic. Clyde Edwards-Elaire is going to be a matchup nightmare because he can run a wide receiver route tree. So you're going to not be able to put a linebacker on him or, you know, especially a slower linebacker on him and expect to have good results in coverage against him. But you can't take that linebacker out of the box because Clyde Edwards-Elaire is a good running back and he will make you pay between the tackles. So 
In that regard, just from a defensive standpoint, you have to account for him with two different players on most NFL teams because linebacker play in the NFL is pretty poor and not particularly athletic. So, you know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is just going to be a matchup nightmare for everybody. This is where I get a little bit lost on some of the running back value stuff, like they don't matter at all, because it's pretty simple. If you put Clyde Edwards-Hilaire out there, and I'm just going to focus entirely on the addition of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and what the offense is going to be differently here, that allows, if the head coach trusts him, that allows your offense to do literally everything on any given play. You can go back to 2018 at the beginning of the year when the Chiefs still had Kareem Hunt, but you can even go into preseason with some other running backs. They were running outside zone, inside zone, counter, duo. They would run traditional power. They ran everything in the preseason and even a little bit to start the year. As they lost Kareem Hunt and it got even worse last year, the Chiefs run outside zone, outside zone, and outside zone because they don't have running backs capable of being great on any of the other kinds of runs. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Hilaire, sorry, on the other hand, is very good on inside zone. He's very good on duo. He can follow his blockers. He can play off of a pulling guard's hip a lot better than Damian Williams, Daryl Williams, Darwin Thompson. This opens up the playbook to just call every different type of run. It makes it a lot more difficult for a defensive line to run stunt, run blitz, predict the play, slant or crash their line. Like If you take away Damian Williams' two best runs from the regular season, he was under three yards per carry. He's a home run runner, and it really showed, and he can really only excel on these hard cutbacks from outside zone. And that's when that's the case, it really limits your offensive play calling. You then pair that with the fact that you have a passing game uh, application here going on. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he can run routes as a wide receiver. As a running back, he can get vertical or horizontal. These are just elements that I think have been missing, the ability to do all of that with the same player. So Andy Reid can now flip through all 853 sheets of his playbook with one player on the field. Uh, Steve Gray Jr. asks, favorite and least favorite offseason move, Maddie? Well, I just ranted long, but I guess we're going long again. My uh, least favorite move has been the entire concept of running it back for 2020. I don't like that plan. I think you're on the cusp of building a dynasty. I do not like not planning for 2021. I don't like getting guys at high priority positions under contract long term. I don't think the cap space looks particularly great next year in 2021, so on and so forth. Like I don't think they're set up super well to put a ton of talent at major positions around Patrick Mahomes trying to build a dynasty. That said, my favorite move, is when they did decide to go all in on run it back for 2020, they went all in. They did not sign anybody to huge long-term contracts this offseason. They drafted a running back in round one that can come in and help right away. They filled one of the easier needs to feel, feel, fill on defense with Willie Gay Jr. He's fast, he's athletic, and he can cover. They filled immediate holes with younger guys that can help this year to help the concept of running it back this season. Yeah, my favorite move is the Willie Gay Jr. move for all the reasons that I've ever said I get to watch a fast athletic linebacker, like Maddie said, that can cover and that is an impact defender. Like he he will force turnovers. He will make big splash plays as well. That will be very beneficial in Steve Spagnuolo's defense. And my least favorite offseason move is how they handled the contracts for Patrick Mahomes and Chris Jones. Because frankly, they have a lot of money tied up or a lot of potential money tied up in Mahomes' case for players that 
are either on their last year of their deal or getting a fifth year option. It's just they keep talking about how they want to sign them. They want to keep these guys in-house long-term. We hear that over and over, and instead you've got $16 million tied up in the salary cap for Chris Jones instead of either getting a deal done or making a move with him, and it limited their ability to add a cornerback or you know an interior offensive lineman or a couple of these positions that, frankly, need a little more depth or need some starting positions there. So I didn't really enjoy the way that they pushed that onward just simply from the fact that we're still waiting for those moves. Yeah, I kind of I, I kind of agree with a little bit of both of your guys' sentiments on, on least favorite. Um, and I don't want to continue to rehash that, but um, I, I 100% agree with you guys. My favorite move is probably Lucas Niang. At 96, because I really I, here's here's the thing I I love trying to I love trying to identify value, um I love you know uh the I, I love the idea of of Lucas Niang I don't know if Lucas Niang is gonna work but here's the reality about Lucas Niang in any other draft even though he's injured he goes in the top 60 probably, um if he is healthy he is an absolute steal at 96 you have and hopefully they they keep him at tackle. Because I do love the idea of having the option or the flexibility should you want to move on from an Eric Fisher. Should you want to move on from – or should Mitchell Schwartz, for instance, if he moves on. You know, he's, he's, in his, he's in his 30s. I love the idea of having a guy ready to protect Patrick LeVon Mahomes. Because if you are going to – you know, if this season's going to be kind of about running it back and it's really more about 2020 – I think that little hint of investing in a trying to get really good value at a very critical position is just great business. I really love the Lucas Niang move. We're going to take a break and we will be back with more of your questions right after this. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between so you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, we are answering your questions from Twitter. Jayhawk Josh asks, with the addition of Willie Gay Jr., do you think Ben Neiman still makes the roster, or do they just plug in Dirty Dan as a hybrid coverage guy? I, d I don't think that we should write off Ben Neiman fully yet. Um, I think that Willie Gay Jr. should play that role. I think that they should put a more dynamic player in that dime linebacker role, whether that be Dan Sorensen, whether that be Willie Gay Jr. But here's the rub with that. 
Willie Gay Jr., they talked about playing Will or Sam. That's what Matt House has said. So from that regard, he's playing outside linebacker. You already know that Damian Wilson is playing outside linebacker. Probably the Sam. Please, God, let it be the Sam. And (laughs) then after that... You got Darius Harris, who probably isn't a Mike linebacker, and a bunch of other guys that aren't Mike linebackers. Anthony Hitchens is the only Mike linebacker that they have on the roster that they trust. We know that Ben Neiman got the green dot in the dime, and they trusted him to call dime fronts, or you know somebody else to call dime fronts, but they trusted him with the dot in that role. I don't see that other player on the roster as it stands right now. That that might change with training camp. We might see guys in different positions. But as it stands right now, Ben Neiman is your backup Mike linebacker. And so I don't think that you can give him the boot because he is a special teams contributor. And that is a valuable role. Kenny with the YYK, if you take all the rookies of the 2020 draft class and put them on one team coached by Bill Belichick, how long would it take them to win a Super Bowl, Matty? Listen, with Joe Burrow and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire on the team, they would certainly pose a problem. But here's the thing. As long as Patrick Mahomes is in the NFL, Woo! the answer is never. Whoa! The swag! Oh, I love it! We're insufferable! The world champion Kansas City Chiefs fans! Justin Reed, you done, you done gone and messed up, Justin Reed. Justin you done gone Reed. and messed up. You do not want this smoke. Here's what I don't get. None You're Justin it. Reed. You play for the Texans. You practice <laughs> against Deshaun Watson every single day, and you have the audacity to get on social media and talk about a YOLO ball. Your quarterback's entire career is made up of YOLO balls to nuke. Oh, wait. He's in Arizona now. Interesting. Weird flex, Reed. Weird <laughs> oh. flex. Chiefs are yeah, ten and a half it, point favorites in Week One right now. You guys, ten and a half point favorites. That's probably is that, one of the fifteen. And is a that half the first we hear this? Is that the is that the first quarter? I don't know. Okay, uh, here we go. Ice Goose asks, going into the draft this year, which would you have believed to be more likely: the Chiefs drafting a running back in the first round, or Brett Veach not taking? Or not trading out of any original 2020 draft slots. I I think it's the latter. Like we know, Brett Veach loves to move in the draft, particularly up. I think everybody. It was a foregone conclusion that the Chiefs were going to try their hardest to trade back from 32, which they did, and they just didn't have an offer on the table anymore. So that's the one that was more surprising to me. I think for me, it's the running back in round one is what I believe is more likely than Brett Veach not trading out for the simple fact that I think once they decided to go all in for 2020, once that was the goal is to win this year and then figure out next year based around the elite talent you have with Patrick Mahomes, Tyree Kill, and so on, running back is the one position that is very easily upgradable. You can do that. You can get better than Damian Williams with a rookie running back very easy. You do that at the end Don't of round one. Don't tell some Chiefs fans that, by the You way. can do that very easy in round one with a running back, and they just did that, and that made sense from the get-go. As soon as they decided that that was their path, that made a lot of sense to me. Uh, I think for me it was the Chiefs drafting a – or a, more likely – I, I think it was Brett Veach not trading out of any original 2020 draft slots. There's only been two drafts. 
you never know. Like it, it could have happened. I was a little bit surprised they actually went running back in the first round. I, I'll, I'll, I'll admit it. Um, good news for me though, they they got Clyde Edwards-Lair, uh, a my guy in the 2020 KC draft guide. The guy I said that they should take if they're going to take a running back. Um, but I, I was a little bit surprised by the move because they just got done winning the Super Bowl by, you know, focusing their assets and their, you know, money on, um, <laughs> you know, not on running back. But I love Clyde Edwards. Let me just, I don't, I don't want that to be lost. Seadrift uh, 24. Do you think the Chiefs extend Jones, Mahomes or both, Craig? I mean, Mahomes is getting done. Like that, just throw that aside. Mahomes is getting done. I think the question is whether or not they they extend Chris Jones alongside of him. Now, they have come out after the draft and they've really put on a full court press about how he's one of the the cornerstones, one of the linchpins, and everything like that. They have said that all along this offseason. and then with their other hand, they've basically done the opposite. Chris Jones was very upset. He was tagged immediately. I, they met, and Chris Jones was tagged immediately. We know that no offer had been put on the table for Chris Jones. That was basically put out there. So for all of this goodwill that they're trying to build with Chris Jones and saying that you know he is you know a priority, we're going to get him done, they haven't taken the actions thus far to make that a possibility. Now, I think that Chris Jones is going to be in Kansas City this year. We will see if that continues on. They keep saying all the right things. They keep putting it out there that they really want to sign him, but they've really got to change what they're actually doing and what we actually see for me to really kind of believe that they are fully committed to Chris Jones. Real quick, one thing I heard, I think I saw this week on Twitter, Andy Reid said that they had 100% participation at the, uh, mm-hmm. at their offseason program, correct? Does that yes. count, Chris Jones, since he signed? Uh, he has not signed his franchise tag yet, so I'm not sure if they are trying to basically uh, skirt that. I, I don't just, know. I wonder. I I don't know. I, I if he if he counts, that's interesting because he tried to hold out and failed miserably. Now, uh, now that being said, year. why would Chris Jones? not sign his franchise tag and yet start working out even virtually with the team. Can like, he even do that? If you haven't signed, can you even start that's what working I'm, out? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not sure what the rules on that are, but even from his point of view, he if he gets hurt doing activities with the team and he's not under contract, we've seen that the Panthers pulled a, a franchise tag for Josh Norman, you know, a few years yeah. back. Chiefs could do that if he got hurt and he'd get nothing. So yeah, I, I would don't... guess that he's not a part of that. Yeah, I was just curious about that. I don't know how that works because I think that would be really interesting if he was participating in some capacity um, and he didn't last year. He tried to hold it out and it didn't work. Uh, Alex Monkholt asks, who who will be post-June 1 cuts? So here's something that, you know, the, the post-June 1 cut, um, really honestly – it doesn't really matter anymore because you can designate players as post June one cuts. So post June one cut players could have been cut months ago. And a lot of teams do that, do do favors to these guys, uh, to these veteran con players that are going to be cut after June one with this post June one cut designation. 
so I don't really know if there's going to be a rush to cut players after June 1st. Chief Boy RDG asks, would you rather have a team mostly comp comprised of with smart high football IQ players with good technique and average to below average athleticism or freak athletes with slow reaction, terrible technique and more mental lapses? Here, here's a little insight into my normal scouting process here. I love smart <laughs> players. Love, love, love smart players. Give me Tyron Matthew. Give Montre me John Hardage. out of Penn State this year. Montre Hardage. Players that are going to make a roster despite having a terrible athletic profile just because they're smart. They know where to be. They know how to line up. And they, you know... They're never going to be these top-end players. You're you're not going to get a Willie Gay out of the group of the players that I, you know, quote-unquote love. But you might get, you know, a good, smart contributor late in the round there that you can kind of take. Now, obviously, if it's early, gamble on upside. Like, I want the athletes early because those guys are typically much better. But I will take the below average athleticism and intelligence. And Maddie is shaking his head over here. Maddie, Maddie, speak to this. You're the opposite. I mean, I am the opposite. I don't I don't need to dive in too far into this. I'm just trying to wrap my head around why you hate Amik Robertson so much then, Craig. Why do I hate I, I liked Amik Robertson. He's just tiny and the NFL hates tiny so cornerbacks. Bad athletic profile, but super smart. I just, I, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. No, he was fast. He was fast. Pro good fast. Yeah, pro fast. You're so, right. You're I mean, right. yes, I would. I don't think you can win with just one or the other. I think if you have all smart players that are average athletes, you're going to have a slow defense, and the teams like the Chiefs are going to blow you out of the water. I think if you have all really, really super athletes that don't understand, you know, the rear ends from their heads, you are never going to be able to compete in the playoffs week after week after week. I do tend to go a little bit more towards the athletes, not as far as Kit does, but a little bit more towards the athletes than Craig does. I'm kind of the middle ground between these two in that regard. It's true. Funny thing is, is like I've really slowed off on athleticism in some areas. I still like it, okay. part of that. Okay. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I, I will never forgive Jalen Ferguson. Ever. But, ever. But there's like, there, I, I've, I, my. The pendulum swung. I'm actually going with the high IQ because freak athletes with slow reaction, terrible technique, and more mental lapses. Eh, no, slow reaction. No, you can't do anything with that. Um, Brandon four twenty two. Who currently on the roster is best set to take over for Sammy Watkins next year? No one. I know a lot of people are, would want me to say McCole Hardman here, and I'm not saying that McCole Hardman can't have a better year this year and even have an even better third year in the NFL. He's just not going to play on the line of scrimmage. He's not going to work over the middle of the field. He is not going to show up and beat the best cornerbacks and press man-to-man coverage consistently throughout the playoffs. It's just not going to happen, so it's not him. If I have to pick somebody, I guess Byron Pringle based purely on purely on the size athleticism profile like he runs good routes he's big enough to work across the middle of the field but nobody on the roster currently has shown anything to replace sammy Watkins in 2021 maddie we've been hanging out a lot for the last couple of years and which is why i and i knew you're going to answer that so the next question and russell 2018 says does byron pringle get more snaps on offense this year and also what practice squad wide receiver from last year could you see cracking cracking an active roster spot felton davis 
First and foremost, Byron Pringle should get more offensive snaps. I have never been more sad to see Demarcus Robinson, who I actually kind of like come back because that takes away, I think, all of the snaps that Byron Pringle is going to get. He's a good blocker. He tries really hard and he could have filled into that role perfectly. He can take over for Sammy Watkins better than Robinson or better than McCole Hardman can right now. So I hope he gets a chance, not with a Sammy Watkins injury, but just a chance to get on the field more often. I just don't think it's going to happen because they brought back everyone. Like I don't think they're going to all of a sudden think he's worth putting on the field when they didn't think so last year. I do think Felton, actually, Cody Thompson. Oh, wait, we decided to let him go so we could keep DeAnthony Thomas for like two weeks or something like that. And then we signed <laughs> the Cody Thompson, but like thrift store version and Kalijah Lipscomb is an undrafted free agent this year. So like, I don't understand if we like that profile, why not just keep the better version? But uh, Felton Davis is my wide receiver from last year's practice squad group that I think could have a chance. I'm just not holding my breath. I'm not holding my breath for any of them, but keep an eye on Kalijah Limscombe. That's all I got to say. Um, Jackson Redford, who has more of an impact on the passing game next year? Second year, McCole Hardman or Clyde Edwards-Alaire? Um, I'm going to go Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Um, and there's a lot of reasons that. He's just an absolute monster in the passing game. I I was looking a little bit at this this week. I don't see where McCole Hardman's breakout is coming in in year two. They brought Demarcus Robinson back over, like like to like to compete with him. And there's not a ton of targets available already. And if you look at McCole Hardman's pr- production after Thanksgiving, it it was like. Three big plays. Like his whole, he's so high variance. You never know when you're getting a big play from McCole Hardman. And obviously, he made some big plays like against the Patriots in the return against, was it the Chargers? But like, and I think the Texans. There's just like, there's not a ton of offensive like outlook for him from a consistency level. He's so high variance. You don't know what you're getting. And it looks like he's going to do the same thing this year. He's going to be the gadget player. That you know, throw yeah, they throw the ball down the field to a couple times every every week, and that's it. Like that's really what it looks like. And when Tyreek Hill wasn't was on the field, he wasn't particularly productive. Like fifty percent of his production came when Tyreek Hill wasn't even on the field. So like, I don't know what to do with McCole Hardman. I think people are a little too high on him right now. He's got a lot to prove, and he's got to beat Demarcus Robinson off the field, which he couldn't do last year. Okay, so it's Clyde, <laughs> and I'm not going to go on the rant that Kent does here, but it's Clyde just because uh, he doesn't have the competition. Like the, the impact on the passing game is going to come because Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is not going to be in a giant timeshare. He should get 60 to 70% of the passing snaps, and in that regard, he will make a bigger impact because he'll be on the field, he'll be a threat, Defenses will have to respect him more, which may open up things for everybody else. Not that McCall Hardman doesn't open up things for people. That speed, his ability to basically house it at any time is very dangerous, and he should be on the field. But with Sammy Watkins, with Tyreek Hill, with bringing back Demarcus Robinson, you know this group of guys that they have, he is going to be fighting and clawing for reps at his own position. And Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is just going to get the nod. He's going to be the guy. So in that regard, he's just by default going to have more of an impact because of the percentage of snaps that he'll be on the field. 
Yeah, you can sweep it for Clyde for me. And this is I don't even want this to be an anti kind of Hardman thing because I think he could still even have better production than last year. I think a lot of it will come in the exact same way, kind of catching these short passes that he then just takes to the house from there or for long gains. But I think with Clyde, what you're going to get is a defense. I think Clyde, number one, is going to be able to work better in the offense on plays not specifically designed for him. So when he's the third read or the check down read on a random play, I think he's a much bigger threat than McCall Hardman when he's not the only read or the first read on the play. I think he's a lot better in conjunction with the rest of the offense. I think he's going to affect a defense's game plan a lot more. You see an RPO coming with Clyde edwards helier You can no longer Fred Warner just drop back into Kelsey's route. You have to respect the run <laughs> a little bit because you don't have a running back that's just going to run into the first offensive lineman's back he can find. So like, that's going to affect the way defenses play a little bit more than McCall Hardman running the same four or five routes. And as long as you know they're coming, you can defend his speed pretty well if you know it's coming. This being said... Again, I'm not ruling out Hardman having better production than last year, taking even more snaps from Robinson. I just don't think he's going to impact the rest of the team at the same level as Clyde is. I I think it's funny that Maddie's suggesting that maybe Fred Warner wasn't in the run fit at all in the Super Bowl this year. I don't think the 49ers played a run a single time against the Chiefs. I don't think any team, like after week, whatever we played, the Packers played the run a single time against the Chiefs, but... Alas, I don't have a spreadsheet to show that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Drew, real quick, I'm not trying to dunk on McCole Hardman. I just, I'm telling you, I still see the well, same you know. high variance role. Well, yeah, I don't know. Look, he <laughs> high variance. He's gonna continue to be a high variance player this year because his route tree is not consistent enough. And yeah, he could put in the work. I think it's a great thing. I, I kind of think it's a great thing that Demarcus Robinson is here because he's gonna have to prove it if he wants to get on the field. He's gonna have to take big steps. To make it onto the field. Uh, pigskin expert. I love this question. Who are this year's surprise training camp cuts? I'm predicting the entire 2018 draft class except for Derek Naughty. Um, I I kind of like that. I think I'm I'm if I'm gonna pick one, I don't understand like unless Armani Watts is some special teams ace, I could see them trying to like move on from him. And maybe try to keep another one of those corners and move him over to safety. Or maybe Rodney Clemens. Like, maybe try to piecemeal some of their safety depth by adding another corner and then keeping, like, a Rodney Clemens. Because, like, I, I don't know what Armani Watts does here, <laughs> frankly. So I'll just pick Armani Watts. I, mean, I don't even know if it's going to be that big of a surprise. Uh, <laughs> but that's that's where I'm going. For me, yeah, I think taking away the entire 2018 draft class, besides Derek Nottie, of course, limits, like, I think everybody's probably first, second, and third selection for a surprise or a guy we would like to see cut. I'm going to try to go a little out there. I don't know if this is a surprise to me, but I think it is to Chiefs Kingdom as a whole. So I'm going to go with Ricky Seals-Jones. I just simply think you're mm-hmm. going to get into camp, realize he can't block, and that he's just a big receiver, which is fine. It's just that doesn't fit in with what the Chiefs kind of do with speed and spreading the field out. And if he can't block, you're essentially keeping a guy on the roster just to be Travis Kelsey's dedicated backup and not the tight end too. I don't see the use for that. So I just think there's a good chance he loses out to a more complete tight end, and I don't see them keeping three tight ends into fullback. I will say this. I will be very upset if the Chiefs can't get something for this man, but Damian Williams. 
Um, I, I know that a lot of people are sitting here trying to talk about his ability to play in a timeshare with Clyde Edwards-Elair. I don't think it will be particularly long in training camp, especially the way that I've seen Eric Bieniemy be all over those running backs. It was different last year. He was dissatisfied mm-hmm. with that running back room at training camp. He really, really was. I think that if Clyde Edwards-Elair shows up and shows up in a way that Eric Bieniemy likes you're going to see a surprise cut from that room and maybe even Damian Williams. Nermalicious. Do you think with Reggie Reggie Ragland gone, Dorian O'Daniel plays some snaps, or is he still a special teams guy? No and no. I I just... uh, Dorian's gone, guys. They... They've tried to replace him. He didn't get snaps last year when they desperately needed a Will linebacker and they took their Sam linebacker and moved him to Will. Like, that should tell you everything about what Dorian O'Daniel has picked up and his ability to get on the field. I mean, I know that Dave Tobe might like him, but there's enough guys that they've added to this group, young athletic defenders that Dave Tobe can just kind of piecemeal over. Hey, have Legereus Sneed. Have, you know, some of these linebackers. Have Willie Gay for some snaps if they're not playing him early. Have him go out there. I think Dorian O'Daniel's gone. I just don't think that he's on this roster in 2020. Wasted Motion asks, how excited is young Regis to watch Shea Patterson in the preseason. Oh man, if you add, if you put Young Regis in a question, it's getting answered. There's a little, there's a sneak peek for you. All right, what do you go? What do you got, Maddie? <laughs> Boy, let me tell you, youthful Regis, Young <laughs> Regis's Twitter timeline is gonna be ablaze when Shea Patterson steps foot onto that grassy field. He takes. The ball under center or in shotgun, most likely. Let's be real here. This is 2020. He is going to go out there, down 13 in the fourth quarter, drop back, dime, drop back, quarter, because dime's not even a good enough descriptor of what he's about to put on display. Leads them for a comeback victory. The timeline is going to be ablaze with Shea Patterson receipts all over the place. Mark just... your calendars. Did you delete dime, a bunch of old mean, receipts? <laughs> d- d- dime to the defender? Like, what What are we talking about here? <laughs> dime to the grass three feet in front of him? Like, <laughs> where is he going the with it? The spiral, it was the pretty spiral, and the ref caught it. Uh, okay, GB Glover 12. Start, bench, cut. Tyron Matthew, Frank Clark... Chris Jones. Uh, okay, so it's it's pretty it's pretty simple for me. You're keeping Tyron Matthew and Frank Clark, uh, but you're you're benching Frank Clark, and you're cutting Chris Jones. Uh, keep Tyron Matthew on the field because he's too smart. Matt Kim asks, uh, or Matt Matt Kearns asks. Sorry, should the Chiefs trade Chris Jones before they gotta pay him or pay him his tag and let him walk? Um. No, they, I think they they let it ride this year. Just let it ride out this year now because, um, you know, you're trying to run it back. Just play him on the tag and then let him walk. It's not what I would do. I would have tried to move on from him earlier, but I just let him play on the tag this year. Go get your ring. Have more cap flexibility in the future because once Patrick Mahomes' contract hits the books, things get a little bit more dicey, okay? They've really got some big decisions to make, and they don't have a great outlook for 2021. 
Um, Maddie, do you have anything to add on that? I mean, just at this point in time, it's too late. I think you can't really trade him for anything at this point in time. Are you really going to try to pull off a player for player trade in the middle of the season unless you get the you know Khalil Mack offer because he's very upset going into the year? I think you just pay him, play him, and the way the off seasons went and the way his markets does not seem to be popping off like he expected it to. I don't think that offer's coming in. So play him, pay him, play him, let him go. Wesley Peel, if linebacker play can improve with Willie Gay Jr., where's the weakness on this team? Also, have you guys convinced Craig to grow that beard back? Scary looking. <laughs> Th- thanks, Wesley. Like, appreciate you for listening, buddy. You just want the mustache back. <laughs> no, the mustache is not coming yes. back. Uh, Please. Uh, let's see here. Cornerback. It's corner. I especially if Bashad Breland has to miss some time. I like the young bodies that they have on the roster. I feel good about the future, especially if they can hit on some of these younger guys. They've still invested next to nothing in the cornerback group, though. So if Charvarius Ward doesn't start hot, if Bashad Breland can't play, then all of a sudden you give the offense, the opposition, an avenue towards keeping up with Patrick Mahomes. And I don't like that. I don't want him to have to be in shootouts. It's not fun for me to watch. It's not fun for any of us to watch. Wait a second. So, yeah. I just, I, I don't want him in shootouts. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, cornerback. All right. SoCal 1186. What are the odds that we have a new starting interior offensive lineman? Left guard, right guard, or center? Now, I know Steven Wisniewski was gone. But just maybe, just talk about your predictions for the interior offensive line. If Martinez Rankin counts as a new starting interior lineman, then yes. If not, I don't think so. Like they brought LDT back and have enough of a cap hit and they're giving him enough money that I think it's his job to lose. Like I don't think that Wiley could even come in and take it. I think it would be up to LDT to lose it. I I would love to see Allegretti challenge Austin Ryder at center. Like I would really love to see that. And I hope he doesn't camp. Like that's when I really have my fingers crossed for. I think that would be the place that you could see the most improvement. I just don't expect it right now because Austin Ryder's got that connection with Mahomes, that center quarterback exchange. He's been out there. He understands what's going on. Allegretti's still a young guy. And then as long as Martinez Franken's healthy, I do think he wins the left guard spot. He looked a little better than Andrew Wiley. I, I wish Andrew Wiley would get a chance at right guard and no LDT. They just paid him too much money. So I don't think there's really any other option but the same three guys, the Rankin, Ryder, LDT starting across the middle. That's the AP Laboratory Mailbag. Thanks for listening. Thanks for all your great questions. Tuesday, 11 a.m., the AP Editor Show. Be sure to check it out. We'll catch you back on Wednesday. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. 
Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.